have some special readings throughout the day that I wanted to share with you, uh, done by our Signum students from books that they read in uh, some of our Signum classes and uh, uh, and stories that they love um, in lots of different languages throughout the day. This first one is going to be in English. Um, uh, by one of our students who is known to many of you. This is uh, uh, by she who on Twitch is generally known as Fair Venin. So um, she is a wonderful reader. Okay, here it is. Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. Evidently, Humpty Dumpty was very angry, though he said nothing for a minute or two. When he did speak again, it was in a deep growl. It is a most provoking thing, he said at last, when a person doesn't know a cravat from a belt. I know it's very ignorant of me, Alice said, in so humble a tone that Humpty Dumpty relented. It's a cravat, child, and a beautiful one, as you say. It's a present from the White King and Queen. There now. Is it really? said Alice, quite pleased to find that she had chosen a good subject after all. They gave it me, Humpty Dumpty continued thoughtfully, as he crossed one knee over the other and clasped his hands round it. They gave it me for an unbirthday present. I beg your pardon? said Alice with a puzzled air. I'm not offended, said Humpty Dumpty. I mean, what is an unbirthday present? A present given when it isn't your birthday, of course. Alice considered a little. I like birthday presents best, she said at last. You don't know what you're talking about, cried Humpty Dumpty. How many days are there in a year? Three hundred and sixty-five, said Alice. And how many birthdays have you? One. And if you take one from three hundred and sixty-five, what remains? Three hundred and sixty-four, of course. Humpty Dumpty looked doubtful. I'd rather see that done on paper, he said. Alice couldn't help smiling as she took out her memorandum book and worked the sum for him. Three sixty-five minus one, three sixty-four. Humpty Dumpty took the book and looked at it carefully. That seems to be done right, he began. You're holding it upside down, Alice interrupted. To be sure I was, Humpty Dumpty said gaily as she turned it round for him. I thought it looked a little queer. As I was saying, <clears throat> that seems to be done right, though I haven't time to look it over thoroughly just now, and that shows that there are 364 days when you might get unbirthday presents. Certainly, said Alice. And only one for birthday presents, you know. There's glory for you. I don't know what you mean by glory, Alice said. Humpty Dumpty smiled contemptuously. Of course you don't, till I tell you. I meant, there's a nice knockdown argument for you. But glory doesn't mean a nice knockdown argument, Alice objected. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said in rather a scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. The question is, said Alice, 
Whether you can make words mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master? That's all. Alice was too much puzzled to say anything, so after a minute Humpty Dumpty began again. They've a temper, some of them, particularly verbs, they're the proudest. Adjectives you can do anything with, but not verbs. However, I can manage the whole lot of them. Impenetrability, that's what I say. Would you tell me, please, said Alice, what that means? Now you talk like a reasonable child, said Humpty Dumpty, looking very much pleased. I meant by impenetrability that we've had enough of that subject, and it would be just as well if you didn't mention what you mean to do next, as I suppose you don't mean to stop here all the rest of your life. That's a great deal to make one word mean, Alice said in a thoughtful tone. When I make a word do a lot of work like that, said Humpty Dumpty, I always pay it extra. Oh, said Alice. She was too much puzzled to make any other remark. Our next reading is from one of our faculty uh, at Signum, from Paul Peterson. He's one of our new, the newest members of our faculty. He's our new, uh, our new Old Norse and Germanic philology specialist uh, that we just hired in conjunction with our new Old Norse um, uh, sort of branch of our Germanic philology concentration. Uh, so it's wonderful to have Professor Peterson on board and. Um, He's going to do, uh, I, I, I have a reading from him. He's, he's going to be reading in two different dead languages. Uh, he's going to be reading from, in, in Gothic and in Old Norse. So let me uh, leave you with that quickly, and then I will come back soon, and, uh, and then we'll start the trivia competition, okay? So hang on just a second. First, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 42 in Gothic. After a housey day, the thought of Quithan is time erzizam. Ne uver swarais is ut gavas frauja in etestinans. Athan equitha is swiss. Ne swaranalis, ne behimena, Unte stolces gus. Nich beerthe, unte fotobordes fotoeis, nich be Jerusalewa, unte borxis this Michelin's theudanit, nich be holbe the theanamiswaris, unte ni macht ein tagel, huet ethos swart getaujan. See I than word iswar, ja, ja, nay, nay. Ithata managis o thymus thama uvelinist. Hausi deduth, thate quithanes, augo unt augen, yaktunthu untuntho. Ith equitha iswith ni ansananalis thama unselin. Akiavai huasthuk stoutai, bi texwon thinekinu, wandi ima yaktho ontara. Yak thama wilyanden methu stawa, yak paida thina niman, afletima yak wasya, yak yavai huastuk ana outhiai rastaina. 
gangais methima twos. Thama bidianden thukivas. Yak thama wiriangen of thus lehuan sis ne uswandias. Hausi de du thate quithanest. Frios ne hundan thinana. Yak fias fiand thinana. Athan equisia iswis. Frios fians iswariant. Theusiaithans vricandas iswis. Wella tauiaithaim hatianda iswis. Yak pidiais pithans uthriutantans iswis. I werthith sunius atins iswaris thins in ana gerechstan iachana inwindans. Iavai auch friothan friontsats iswis einins. Huo misdona havaith. Niu iachthai thiudo thata samo tauian. Iach iavai goleith. Thans friones iswarernas thatani. Hwe manig iso tauieth. Niu iach motarios thata samo tauian. Siaith no ius fulla toiae, swasve ata iswar sa in himinan fulla toiosist. And now, the seeress's prophecy from the Veluspa in Old Norse. Lioz bide katlar kelgar kinder, meri och minni mörgur heimdatlar, vil tu ad jakvalföder, vel fram tel ja fornspjert fyra, Thoi um friends to man. Iach man jöt nu ar um bortna, thou er forther mig fejda höfdu, niu man jach heima, niu i vidi. Mi jöt vid mairan fyr mold neithan. Aur val alda, thar er imr bygthi, var sander ne sjair nil svalar unir. Jöd fannst aiva nie uppinen. Gapvar genunga, en gras kvergi. Aude bursiner björdum vum ipthu, There midgard mairans gopu, Sol skein sunan au sallar steina, Ta var grun groen grainum loiki. Sol varp sunan sinne mauni, Hendi en haigri um hinnen jodir. Sol thad ne visi, Kvar hun sali auti, mauni thad ne visi, kvat han meiens auti, stjötner thad ne visi, kvar thait stadi auti. Thau gengu regen ötl a rök stola, gen helu goth, och um thad gaitust, naut och nidium nöp um gauvu, morgen hetu och midjan dag. Undorn och aftan, aurum ad telja, Hittus eiskirau iða vetli, þeri högg og hófhátt himbrúðu, apla lögðu og smeðuðu, tángir skópur og tólgerðu. Tepldu í túni, teitur varu, var þeim vettugis vant og gutli. Uns þrjá kvámu þursameyar á mátkar mjökk og jötun heimum. Þá gengu reigin öll á rökstula gen heilu góð og um það gætust. Hver skuldi dverga drót um skepja og brími blóðgu og hver bláins legjum. Þar var mósóknir mæstur um orðin. Dverga altra en dur en annar. Þær mannlíku mörg um gördu, dvergar jöðu sem durin sagði.
And actually, as we move into our next segment here, um, the, uh, the we're gonna we're gonna transition into our next segment with a reading from Tom. Actually, Tom is is gonna do our next reading. So uh, Tom has done a reading for us of the opening. What is it? Uh, sixty-two lines, Tom. 52, 52, 52. The first 52 lines of the Iliad. The first 52 lines of the Iliad. So you can, you, so you can hear, uh, hear Tom reading uh, Homer in Greek for us here. Main in aid ethea, Pele iadola, Reus ulamenein, He muria hyois alga atheca, Polas dipti muspsuchas saidi proe absent heroon. Autus de Haloria Toka, Cunessin oyanoisa tapasin, Dios de Telea Tabule, Ex hu de taprota diastatin, Eres santa atreades tawanaxandron, Cai Dios ahilaus. Tis tar svoeth eon, Eredig sune eca majestae, Letus cai Dios we os, O garpas lea coloves. Nusan on a stratan orsa cacane, or lecanto de la oi. Hunacaton crusane, et timas sen are terra atreides. Hogar elfa thoas epaneas a hyon, Lusamanas tugatra, feron taparesia poina. Stemata echon in herson, a cable u apollonos, cruso anasketro. Cae licito pantas achaius, atreida de malastadio, cosmetora laon. Atreidae de caialoi, e oc neemides achaioi. Humin mentha oi, doi en Olympia doma te contes. Ec persai priamoia polin, el doica de hicestai. Pai de demoi lusai te filain, ta de epoine de gestai. Hadzamanoi dios, huion hecebalon apollona. Ent aloi men pantes ep elfemesan echaioi, ai desta the heorea, kai aglaa dechthai apoina. Al uk atreade, agamemnona hendana tumo. Ala kakos afie krataron depemuthon etela. Mesa geron koilesin ego paraneus e kicheo. E ne nun de thunonta e hustoron altis ionta. Me nun toi u chrysme skeptron kai stemma the oio. Tain dego uruso. Prin min kai geras epesin. He metaro en oiko en argeye, telos e patres, histon apoichamenen, kai emmon lechos antio osan. Al itha me, merethisda sa otoros hoskane eai. Osefat, edesen daha geron, kai apesato thumo. Be dakaon paratina, para floisboyo thalases. Pala depet apaneuta kion erat hogogaraios apoluna enacti, ton eucamos tekeleto. Cluthamel argurotox, hos crusen amphibebecas, kilan tisathein, tenedoia te ifes anases, smintel 
e patatoi karient epeneion erepse. E e de patatoi katapiona mere ekea, tauron et aigon. Todamoi creenon e eldor, tisean danaoi emedacrua soise belasin. Josefat el homenos, tu declua foibos apalon. Bede, cat alum poia corenon ho amenos ker, tox omoi sinechon, ampere fe ate feretrain, eclanxon dar o istoi et omon ho amenoio, auto kinethentos, ho de eia nucte eoicos, het zetepeta, apaneusa neon, metata ion eeca. Dene de clange genet argureoio bioio. Ureos men proton, epochato, caecunos argus. Altar epet autoisi, belas echepelces efies bal. Aie de purae nechion caianto thameiae. Now let me, uh, let me uh, give you another reading. Uh, one of our spe- I've been really enjoying our readings for the day. This one is in English and from another one of our Signum students, indeed one of our uh, illustrious Signum alumni. This is from Sparrow Alden. The Snow Spider Trilogy by Jenny Nimmo. Chapter 1. The Five Gifts. Gwyn's grandmother gave him five gifts for his birthday. Oop. Birthday. Sorry. His ninth birthday. They were very unusual gifts, and if Gwyn had not been the sort of boy he was, he might have been disappointed. Happy birthday, said his grandmother, turning her basket upside down. Gwyn stared at the objects on the kitchen floor, none of them wrapped in bright birthday paper. A piece of seaweed, a yellow scarf, a tin whistle, a twisted metal brooch, and a small broken horse. Thank you, Nine, said Gwyn, calling his grandmother the name she liked best. Time to find out if you're a magician, Gwiddy and Gwyn, said Nine. A magician, Gwyn inquired. Time to remember your ancestors, Math, Lord of Gwyneth, Gwydion, and Gulfathwy. Who? The magicians, boy. They lived here in these mountains maybe a thousand years ago, and they could do anything they wanted, turn men into eagles and soldiers into dust. They could make dreams come true, and so... Perhaps could you? On special occasions, Nine often said peculiar things. Gwyn could not think of a reply. There has been an ache in this house since your sister went, said Nine. The ache of emptiness. You need help. If you have inherited the power of Gwydion, you can use it to get your heart's desire. She turned on her heel. I won't stay for tea. We've only just had breakfast, Nine. Nevertheless... She swept away, down the passage, and through the open front door, her black hair sparkling in the golden mist that hung over the garden, her dress as gaudy as the autumn flowers crowding by the gate. Then she looked back and sang out, Give them to the wind, Gwiddy and Gwyn, one by one, and you'll see. Gwyn took the gifts up to his bedroom and laid them on the windowsill. They looked the most improbable effects for a magician. What's she on about now? He scratched at his uncombed hair. 
From his tiny attic window he could see Nan's dark head bobbing down the mountain track. "'She travels too fast for a grandmother,' Gwyn muttered. "'If my ancestors were magicians, does that make her a witch?' His father's voice roared up the stairs. Hey, you done the chickens then, Gwyn? It's Saturday. What about the gate? The sheep will be in the garden again. Was that your grandmother? Why didn't she stay? Gwyn answered none of these questions. He gathered Nine's gifts together, put them in a drawer, and went downstairs. His father was outside shouting at the cows now as he drove them down the track to pasture. Gwyn sighed and pulled on his boots. His grandmother had delayed him, but she had remembered his birthday. His father did not wish to remember. There was no rest on Saturday for Gwyn, no time for football matches, no bicycle to ride down to the town. He was the only help his father had on the farm, and weekends were days for catching up with all the work he had missed during the week. He tried not to think of Bethan, his sister, as he scattered corn to the hens and searched for eggs in the barn. But when he went to examine the gate, he could not forget. Beyond the vivid autumn daisies, there was a cluster of white flowers nestling beneath the stone wall. Bethan had brought them up from the woods and planted them there, safe against the winds that tore across the mountain. Perhaps even then she had known that one day she would be gone, and wanted to leave something for them to remember her by. Gwyn, I've something for you, his mother was leaning out of the kitchen window. I've to do the gate, Dad says. Do it later. It's your birthday, Gwyn. Come and see what I've got for you. Gwyn dropped his toolbox and ran inside. I've only just wrapped it, his mother apologized. Did Nine bring you anything? Yes. I thought everyone else had forgotten. Of course not. I was so busy last night I couldn't find the paper. There you are. His mother held out something very small, wrapped in shiny green paper. Gwyn took the present, noticing that the paper had gold stars on it. I chose the paper specially, Mrs. Griffiths smiled anxiously. Wow! Gwyn had torn off the paper and revealed a black watch in a transparent plastic box. Replacing the numbers, tiny silver moons encircled the dark face of the watch, and as Gwyn moved it, the hands sparkled like shooting stars. Oh, thanks, ma'am! Gwyn clasped the box to his chest and flung his free arm round his mother's neck. It's from both of us, Gwyn, your dad and me. Yes, ma'am, Gwyn said, though he knew his mother had not spoken the truth. His father did not give him gifts. I knew you'd like it, always looking at the stars you are, you funny boy. Take care of it now. Of course I will. It's more the sort of present for a magician. Nine gave me such strange things. His mother drew away from him. What things? What do you mean, a magician? Has Nine been spouting nonsense again? Come and see. Gwyn led his mother up to the attic and opened his top drawer. There, he pointed to Nine's gifts. Mrs. Griffiths frowned at the five objects laid in a row on Gwyn's white school shirt. Whatever is she on about now, I wish she wouldn't. She picked up the broken horse and turned it over in her hands. It has no ears, ma'am, Gwyn remarked. A no tail. Why did she give me a broken horse? Goodness knows. His mother held the horse closer and peered at a tiny label tied round its neck. It's in Welsh, she said, but it's not your grandmother's writing. It's so faint. Dim I think's what it says. Not this. 
What does that mean, Mamma? Not this. Why did she give it to me if I'm not to use it? His mother shook her head. I never know why Nan does things. She said it was time to see if I was a magician like my ancestors. Don't pay too much attention to your grandmother, Mrs. Griffiths said wearily. She's getting old and she dreams. Her hair is black, Gwyn reminded her. Her hair is black, but her eyes don't see things the way they used to. Nan picked up the yellow scarf. This too. Did Nan bring this? Yes, it's Bethan's, isn't it? His mother frowned. It disappeared with her. She must have been wearing it the night she went, but the police found nothing next morning, nothing at all. How strange. If Nine found it, why didn't she say? She held the scarf close to her face. You can smell the flowers, said Quinn. Do you remember? She used to dry the roses and put them in her clothes. His mother laid the scarf back in the drawer. Don't talk of Bethan now, Gwyn, she said. Why not, ma'am? We should talk of her. It was on my birthday she left. She might come back if we think of her. She won't come back. Don't you understand, Gwyn? We searched for days. The police searched not only here, but everywhere. It was four years ago. His mother turned away, then said more kindly, I've asked Alan Lloyd to come up for tea. We'll have a proper tea today, not like your other birthdays. You'd better get on with your work now. When Mrs. Griffiths had left the room, Gwyn lifted the scarf out of the drawer and pressed it to his face. The scent of roses was still strong. Bethan seemed very near. How good she had looked in her yellow scarf with her dark hair and her red mac, all bright and shining. He remembered now. She had been wearing the scarf that night, the night she had climbed the mountain and never come back. Why had Nine kept it secret all this time? and given it to him now, on his birthday. If Bethan left her scarf, Quinn exclaimed aloud, perhaps she meant to come back. He laid the scarf over the broken horse, the seaweed, the whistle, and the brooch, and gently closed the drawer. He was humming cheerfully to himself when he went out into the garden again. Awesome. <clears throat> Awesome. Thank you. So Sparrow's reading was from uh, one of the stories that they discussed in the uh, Celtic Myth and Children's Fantasy course, which she's been precepting for. Uh, faculty is, or Sparrow has joined our faculty uh, since she graduated. And uh, that's the, the course that's taught by Demetri Femi. Wonderful, wonderful course. Um, by the way, I meant to mention but I was doing a hundred other things at the time, so I forgot to mention. The very first reading we had, Cabe and Abraham's wonderful reading uh, from Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. That passage, of course, with Humpty Dumpty uh, repurposing words uh, and giving them new meanings and making them say, making them mean just what he means them to mean. Um, that's such a wonderful uh, passage. I was really glad that she read that, not only because it's really fun and it's from such a wonderful book, Through the Looking Glass, but that passage was a very important uh, uh, passage to both Lewis and Tolkien. L Lewis and Tolkien refer to that passage all the time. Um, uh, you know, in on fairy stories, when Tolkien is making up a new word, right, and he talks about arrogating to himself the power of Humpty Dumpty, he's alluding to that exact passage that Kay read and, you know, making up a new word and making it mean just what you want it to mean, right? Um, so anyhow, yeah, it's... Uh, 
um, it's uh, that's a that's a that's a it's a wonderful and important passage uh, in that way. Hey there. Okay, so I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna give you another uh, another reading. This one. So this one is actually from someone you've already seen. Another person you've already seen uh, today earlier on. Um, so uh, Richard Roland, the Beowulf Thumper, uh, from our first uh, spotlight discussion back. Six hours ago now, um, uh, Richard did a recording for us of uh, one of the coolest passages from Beowulf. Uh, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you a little Beowulf in Anglo-Saxon, and then um, we're going to do some Tolkien trivia. So let me hand you off to Richard here. The comb of Mora under Mist Cleothum Grendel Gongan Godos Ire Bear. Muntese man scada mana cunis sumne besirwan in celedam hean. Wod under wognum to thas de he win wretched. God celegumina yer was twise. Fatum fachne. Ne was that formasith that he hrothgaras ham ye socht. Nafre he on aldordagum erne sidan herdran hale. Hail thenas fand. Come that to wretched, rinch Scythian, dreamum pedalet. Durus on on an firbendum fast, Scythian he hero folmum at hran, on brad the bell hidig, the he yobulgen was wretched smoothan. Rather after don on fagne flor, feund treadode. Eode Irmod, him of Eogum stod, Lia Yelikost, Leucht Unfire. Yesa he in Rechede, Rincha Mania, Swefan Sibiedricht, Semod at Gadara, Magorincha Herp. Tha his mod a hlog, <laughs> Munte that he dalde, Erdon diaquoma. Atol aglacha anra yehuiches leaf with licha, tha him alumpen was wistfully when. Ne was that weird thyen that he ma most a man cunis thician over that nicht. Three swith beheld maya hulakets, who se mans gather under fair gripum ye fairen world. Ne that se aglatje ulin thocht, ach he y fengrath, formam sith slapen derinch, slat unwearnum, bat bo ban locan, blod edrum drunk, suns nadum swerch, sona hafta un lufingendes, eol y fermod fet. Und Volma. Forth ner atsop, nam tha midhanda, hie thichtini rinch on raste, he him rachte on jan, feond mid Volma, he unfengrath, in with thankum und with erm jesacht, sona that onfunde firene hüte, that he ne met. Midin yerdes eorthen siata on eleran men moon gripe maran 
hey on mod wears furt on firthe no du er from merte that was lines 710 to 754 of the beowulf poem um this is the scene where grendel shows up uh to herot not for the first time but definitely for the last time as he um first eats one of Beowulf's men and then moves on to Beowulf himself and finds that he, um, well, that, uh, he ne met midinier des erthen shiata on eluran man mungripe maran, that he's never met, uh, in this middle earth, um, uh, in the days of his life, a man with a, with a harder hand grip. And, um, this is one of the one of the coolest passages in Beowulf, I think. Just uh, the mood that the poet uh, strikes here, especially with um, you know some awesome phrases like uh, "him of Elgom Elgom stod lia jelikos lecht unfere," out of his eyes stood um, a light unfair, uh, which is uh, which is this you know, awesome picture that I think probably Tolkien borrowed uh, with the gl glitter in Gollum's eyes. So anyway, that's Beowulf. It's one of the great crown jewels of uh, the, the great crown jewel of the Anglo-Saxon poetic corpus. And it's just one of the many reasons that you ought to take Anglo-Saxon from Signum University. All right. <clears throat> it's pretty awesome, isn't it? I love it when it gets to fate and Fallman when he, he eats some hands and feet. Uh, just tosses the whole the whole warrior back so let me cue up another reading here all right we have another wonderful this is another another english reading not an old english reading a modern english reading from blood in the mist blood in the mist published in 1926 is the only fantasy novel by author Hope Merlees. Neil Gaiman called it the single most beautiful, solid, unearthly, and unjustifiably forgotten novel of the 20th century. And I first read it in Douglas Anderson's Signum class, Roots of the Mountain. Blood in the Mist tells of the country of Dora Mare, where contact with and conversation about fairyland has been forbidden for years. But fairy is not so easily kept out, and the illegal trade in fairy fruit has touched the family of the mayor, Nathaniel Chanticleer. From Chapter 4, Endymion Lear prescribes for Ranulph. The doctor sat silent for a few seconds, as if choosing in advance the words he meant to use. Then he began. We have the misfortune of living in a country that marches with the unknown, and that is apt to make the fancy sick. Though we laugh at old songs and old yarns, nevertheless, they are the yarn with which we weave our picture of the world. He paused for a second to chuckle over his own pun, and then went on. But for once, let us look things straight in the face and call them by their proper names. Fairyland, for instance. No one has been there within the memory of man. For generations it has been a forbidden land. In consequence, Curiosity, ignorance, and unbridled fancy have put their heads together 
and concocted a country of golden trees hanging with pearls and rubies, the inhabitants of which are immortal and terrible through unearthly gifts, and so on. But, and in this I am in no way subscribing to a certain antiquary of ill odor, there is not a single homely thing that looked at from a certain angle does not become fairy. Think of the dapple, or the doll, when they roll the sunset toward the east. Think of an autumn wood, or a hawthorn in May. <laughs> a hawthorn in May, there's a miracle for you. Who would ever have dreamed that that gnarled, stumpy old tree had the power to do that? Well, all these things are familiar sights, but what should we think if never having seen them we read a description of them, or saw them for the first time? A golden river, flaming trees, trees that suddenly break into flower. For all we know, it may be Doramere that is fairyland to the people across the debatable hills. Master Nathaniel was drinking in every word as if it was nectar. A sense of safety was tingling in his veins like a generous wine, mounting to his head even a little bit, so unused was he to that particular intoxicant. And Dimian Lear eyed him with a little smile. And now, he said, perhaps your worship will let me talk a little of your own case. The malady you suffer from should, I think, be called life-sickness. You are, so to speak, a bad sailor, and the motion of life makes you brain-sick. There beneath you, all round you, there surges and swells and ebbs and flows that great, ungovernable, ruthless element that we call life. And its motion gets into your blood, turns your head dizzy. Get your sea legs, Master Nathaniel, by which I do not mean you must cease feeling the motion. Go on feeling it, but learn to like it, or if not to like it, at any rate to bear it with firm legs and a steady head. There were tears in Master Nathaniel's eyes, and he smiled a little sheepishly. At that moment his feet were certainly on terra firma, and so convinced are we that each mood, while it lasts, will be the permanent temper of our soul, that for the moment he felt that he would never feel life-sickness again. "'Thank you, Lear, thank you,' he murmured. "'I do a good deal for you in return for what you've just said.' "'Very well, then,' said the doctor briskly. "'Give me the pleasure of curing your son. "'It's the greatest pleasure I have in life, curing people. "'Let me arrange for him to go to this farm.' "'Master Nathaniel, in his present mood, "'was incapable of gainsaying him. "'So it was arranged that Ranulph should shortly leave "'for Swan on the Dapple. "'It was with a curious solemnity "'that just before he took his leave, and Dimian Lear said, Master Nathaniel, there is one thing I want you to bear in mind. I have never in my life made a mistake in a prescription. As Endymion Lear trotted away from the Chanticleers, he chuckled to himself and softly rubbed his hands. I can't help being a physician and giving balm, he muttered, but it was monstrous good policy as well. He would never have allowed the boy to go otherwise. Then he started, and stood stock still, listening. From far away there came a ghostly sound. It might have been the cry of a very distant cock, or else it might have been the sound of faint, mocking laughter.
Okay. So this is me reading from Troilus and Crusade. Um, this is especially fun because this this is the ending of Chaucer's Troilus and Crusade. So this is me reading in Middle English. And um, you, uh, uh, this is a really special passage to me because this is basically the... Um, um, this is the this is this is the passage I wrote my dissertation on essentially. Um, so uh, uh, so so there we go. Uh, me reading Troilus and Crusade. So I'll be back uh, with you guys in a few minutes, and then we'll start the Lotro stream. The end of Troilus and Crusade by Geoffrey Chaucer. Beseeching every laddie breeked of hewer, and every gentlewoman what she be, that I'll be that crusader was untrue, that for that guilt she be not wroth with me. Ye may hear guilt on other bookes say, and gladly are ye walder reet, if you lester, Penelope is truth, and good Alcester. Ne say not this only for these men, but most for women that betrays it be, through false of folk, God gave him sorrow, amen, that with your greater wit and subtlety betrays a you, and this commaveth me, to spake and in effect you all he pray, both war of men, and hearkneth what he say. Go, little book, go, little mean tragedia, there God the mocker yet, ere that he dear, so send a meekt to mock in some comedia. But little book, no mocking thou nenvia, but subject bay to alla poesia, and kiss the steppes whereas thou sayest passa, Virgil, Ovid, Omer, Lucan, and Stasa. And for there is so great diversity in English and in reading of her tongue, so pray ye God that none misreate they, nay they mismaitre for a default of tongue and raid whereso thou be, or elisonga, that thou be understonder, gaudy besecha, but yet to purpose of me rather specha. The wrath, as he began you for to say, of Troilus, the, the Greek is bucht in dera, for thousandas his hondas madandia, as hay that was withouten any pera, save Hector in his team, as he can hera. But, while away, save only God is willa, Dispitously him slew the fierce Achille. And Juan that hay was slain in this manera, his leaked a ghost full blissfully is went up to the holochness of the eighth spera, in converse letting every element, and there he saw with full avisement the erratic stares, hearkening armonia, with soon as full of heavenish melodia. And doon from thenis fast he gan a visa, this little spot of earth that with the say embrassed is, and fully gan despisa this wretched world, and held all vanite to respect of the plain felicite that is in heaven above, and at the laster there he was slain, his looking doon he caster. And in himself he looked reet at the woe of him that wept in for his death so faster, and dampened all our work that followeth so the blinder lust, the which that may not laster, and shoulden all our hurt in heaven caster. And forth he went, shortly for to tell her, thereas Mercuria sorted him to dwell her. Switch fiend hath low this Troilus for love, Switch fiend hath all his greater worthiness, Switch fiend hath his estat real above, Switch fiend his lust, Switch fiend hath his noblesse, Switch fiend hath falser world's brutalness. And thus began his loving of Crusader, as he have told, and in this wise he did. 
O younger, fresher folkers, hey or shay, in which that love upgroweth with your aja, repaireth home fro worldly vanite, and of your hert upcasteth the visage, to thilke God, that after his image you mada, and thinketh allness but a fire, this world that passeth soon as fluid as fire. And loveth him the which that reaped for love upon a cross, Ursula's for to bear, first starf and rose, and sit in heaven above. For he nil falsen no weaked, Dari saya, that wall his heart all holy on him lia, and sin he best to love is, and most maker, what needeth feigned lovers for to sake? Lo hair of paeans corsed old Rites, lo hair what Allah here God is my availa. Lo hair these wretched warders appetites, lo hair the fiend and guerdon for travaila of Jove, Apollo, of Mars, of Switchra Skyla. Lo hair the form of all the clerkes pecha, in poetry, if ye hear bokes secha. O moral goer, this bulky director to they, and to they philosophical strode, to Vuchin self, their nades to character, of your benignites and zealous goda, and to that soothfast Christ, that starf on roda, with all mean hert of mercy every prayer, and to the Lord reeked thus he spake and saya. Thou own, and two, and three, etern on leave, that regnest I, and three, and two, and own, uncircumscript, and all mayst circumscrive, us from visible and invisible phone defender, and to the mercy, every John, so Marcus, Jesus, for the mercy digna, for love of maid and mother, din benigna. Amen. Awesome. So that was... Uh... That was Chaucer. That was Troilus and Crusade. I almost did something from the Canterbury Tales, you know, which, of course, lots of people do. Um, but um, in the end, I was like, you know, Troilus and Crusade. Uh, the ending of Troilus and Crusade is really complicated and uh, and really fun. Uh, Chaucer is really doing a lot of complicated things there. And uh, the ending of Troilus and Crusade kind of blew my mind. Uh, and that's why I insisted on doing my dissertation on it, even though dozens of people had already written hundreds of things on it. Um, all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, JJ, what that was about was Troilus died um, and then he was dedicating his book to uh, that. But included in that passage, by the way, was the passage I was alluding to. Oh, gosh. When was this? Anyway, um, when he ascends, so like his his spirit ascends up to the heavens and looks down, um, Pippin gets that moment, which is a uh, uh, Tolkien is referring to Chaucer there in the Troilus and Crusade. Cool. All right. <laughs>